Welcome to the Mystical Moon Society. Today, I have a guest speaker with me, Morgan. Hey, how's it going? And that's it. He's gone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> um, today, we're just going to be discussing, I guess, stereotypes and general thoughts on witchcraft or paganism or Wiccan beliefs or anything in that whole realm from an outsider's point of view. Yeah, you know, when I heard you had a podcast, I started listening to a couple of them and it just reminded me of some stuff and some interesting stuff and I guess I've always kind of been fascinated with it. I wouldn't say that I'm a devout uh, believer in a lot of the stuff. I'm kind of a skeptic, but uh, growing up, I played games like Dungeons and Dragons, right? And there's a lot of description and some of the spells and character types. And I think it pulled from old lore, right? Old legends, old lore. Um, from components to spells to uh, trapping demons and jewels <laughs> to enchanting weapons with rune magic. Uh, all that stuff, I think, kind of ties in uh, to what you guys talk about Oh yeah, uh, sometimes. Oh, definitely, because all those are actual things that you could carry over into witchcraft or Wiccan practices. I played a lot of Dungeons & Dragons myself, and I actually shied away from most of the magic users. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Druids didn't draw you in? No, I was a rogue every time. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like sneak in, stab, and run away. Backstabber, I see. Yeah. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed that, that type of a game, and then... I, Growing up, movie-wise, too, I was always drawn to stuff like that. Like, uh, for me, like, King Arthur is not about a man. It's about a sword, right? A magic yeah. sword. Uh, so that stuff draws me in and interests me um, with all that. I was obsessed with any story around King Arthur or um, anything supernatural growing up. Supernatural? Good. Mm -hmm. Good show, too, if you like a I do. TV show. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. All the girls like Supernatural. I really don't have a good rebuttal for that, so okay. I'm just going to let that one go. All right. Um, uh, I lost my point. Uh, sorry about Did that. Did we have a point yet? No, not yet. Okay. So, like, uh, you know, it also carried over into video games, right, for me. Mm -hmm. uh, like, um, there were several video games. I think Baldur's Gate was a video game where uh, you, as you're adventuring through the city and knocking things open and collecting things, you're collecting these gems and you would add these gems to your sword to add powers to your sword. So, uh, and what's kind of crazy is like, uh, you know, our the people thousands of years ago, you know, knew these things kind of have power. And then today we use them in modern equipment and that's kind of crazy, right? That, you know, there was oh, yeah. some sort of power that they knew about thousands of years ago that we take advantage of now. And somehow we forgot about all this information and then we're just now starting to rediscover it. Like the quartz crystal. Yeah, it's in, been in watches for a while. I think mm -hmm. it's in fiber optic cable it is. or they've, something too. Yeah. They've rediscovered that it stores and houses information as well as... Um, it's kind of crazy, right? That it, that it stores data. Yeah, that that's what I was you could put data in in a crystal and it just sits there mm -hmm. uh, it, it's interesting how all that works out and so uh you know listening to your uh your guys episode on uh crystals and such that got me looking through all those crystals i didn't realize there were so many crystals oh my god i don't even know how many there are it seems endless to me but there is a lot of research when i was looking into crystals about how most of the time they're used for good like healing and protection and stuff like that and you actually asked me a really good question can they be used um, yeah. So like I'm aggressively, just, yeah, I'm just kind of looking through crystals as as I'm listening to the podcast, and it's like 
there are so many that are out there that are protection and healing. And I'm just, my first thought is what do we need protection from? And why is there so much healing? Where's the, uh, is there an aggressive stone we need to be worried about? I looked that up after you asked and there's an overabundance of them that can be used aggressively. Even the ones that are used positively like amethyst, opal, um, kyanite, and obsidian. Every stone basically can be used in a negative way if you know how to do it. I'm not saying go out there and do it. Right. But basically to charge a crystal, you just focus on what intentions or thoughts or feelings that you want to put into it. And you can charge it with that. You can do that with negative emotions just the same as you can do it with positive emotions. Uh, You can charge one with negative intentions just the same as you can do with a positive intention. Like you want to use it for a specific purpose. Or if you have a spell that you're doing or make a spell jar or something like that. Usually you can add a crystal in there to amplify it. For example, if it's a prosperity Um, spell or something you can flip the tables and make it negative and add the stone in there that you've focused negative intent on and do the same thing but again I wouldn't really advise doing that unless you are very knowledgeable on the subject and I personally don't do any of that work myself so I'm not saying go out there and you know charge a bunch of crystals with negative work because you really have to know how to recover that stone after you do that And it's a lot more in-depth than just cleansing it with sage, like you would if you'd used it for something positive. There's even some people that say you need to bury it in the earth for a while, for a couple days. So in general, you might say that crystals are kind of neutral when they're there. And and it's it's what we do with them, charging them positive or negatively, that really have some of the effects. Oh, yeah, of course. And most of the time, people do want to use them for positive. But um, it's like with everything... It's entirely up to the user. Okay. Like how I don't believe necessarily there's positive or like good or evil um, magic per se. It's literally how you use it because I think bad or evil is, can be, not is, can be subjective because what I view as vile might not be so bad to you or someone else. Right. A a view of good and evil really is perspective in some cases exactly. I mean, obviously there are some things that are pure evil without debate of course but, like yeah but sometimes what you're talking about good or evil is perspective mm-hmm. right? um and myself i consider myself an eclectic gray witch which is all just about my practice not even anything to do with my belief religious system it's okay. all just how i practice witchcraft so gray meaning that i am a balance between working with good energies or negative energies. I'm right on that balance. Eclectic means I take bits and pieces from different religious um, cultures or religions or even thoughts out there, and I make my own thing. Um, Being a witch is different from being Wiccan. A witch is where you practice the craft of witchcraft, whereas being Wiccan is, Wiccan is a religious system itself. It's not the actual act. It's just the religious religious side of it. Now, you can be a witch and not be Wiccan, and you can be Wiccan and not a witch. You can be Wiccan and only believe (laughs) in all their gods and all that stuff like that and practice the religious aspect of it and never actually perform a ritual in your life. So that's how you would be Wiccan without being witch. And the reverse can be said. So like in Dungeons and Dragons, for example, you have a spell book, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Is there that equivalent to being a witch, do you keep uh, a, a book of spells, so to speak? A lot of us do, okay. yes. Um, 
It really depends on the individual, again, mm-hmm. like earlier with how you use magic. But it, it also depends on the individual and what you call it, like a book of spells or a book of shadows or a grimoire or just my journal, you know, who knows. Okay. But usually um, if you practice magic, you will have a book or something, a ledger, where you write down what you've attempted and how it worked out and variations on it and which one worked the best or, you know, just tidbits that you've of knowledge that you found along the way that you want to preserve. Okay. So does a lot of that have to be handwritten? Is it better that it's handwritten? Or do you just go, can you go to like a bookstore? Type it up on your computer too. There's um, a lot of just save as a PDF type thing or a notepad. It really, it doesn't matter. All right. As long as the information is saved. Gotcha. There's actually... Um, a movement out there. I don't really know if it's a movement, but there's a group out there that are, I don't know the correct term, but techno pagans or something like that, where they're technology, um, based. Okay. In the pagans. That's that's interesting for me. I feel like you need, uh, something from the earth, so to speak, (laughs) you know, like handwritten spell book. I don't know. sounds better to me than going to a bookstore and and pulling something off the shelf. But you know, with all the millennials and everything, we're moving away from physical paper and everyone's, you know, saving everything on their phone. I personally still prefer writing it down. They're not even teaching cursive, right? Anymore in schools. That seems like. Don't think they really taught it much when I was in school either. Well, you know, we're hushing about that. (laughs) We're not going to reference my age. (laughs) Um, so being an eclectic gray witch, again, all that literally just describes what type of witchcraft I practice and nothing about what I believe in outside of that. Because you can be a witch who does not believe in any deities or any gods or goddesses. You just practice and that's it. But I myself subscribe more to a Veritan format of belief system. And that's not as well known as a bunch of other belief systems out there. But uh, Verity basically is a belief system that believes in six gods or goddesses, three of each. Okay. And each one of these gods is a base system to which all other gods or goddesses could be traced back down to of a certain type. Like, um, I've explained this to some extent in another um, episode that I did with Cecilia, one of our other hosts, where I was explaining a dream where I had went and met the goddess Death. Um, but each one of these six gods or goddesses, you can think of like as a tree. Okay. And on that tree, each branch is a different religion or culture. And each leaf on each branch is a different god or goddess within that culture or religion. And it all traces back to that one core god or goddess. Like, for example, Ecate would be uh, traced back down to the goddess Death, of course. And you can usually do that with every god or goddess and the... To the main six in Verity, and they are Builder, Healer, Nurturer, Trickster, Death, and Destroyer. And I, first time I learned about it, I'm like, ooh, that sounds a little intimidating. <laughs> Destroyer, huh? Destroyer. I, a trickster just sounds like it's a, uh, well, we need a nice round number. Let's make it, let's make it six instead of five. But, okay, so with everything, they have dualities where um, each of them, would in uh, the proper amount in the proper way is a positive uh, encounter result or anything of that nature. And then too much of one or misuse of one can also result in the, the opposite side of the coin. So for Builder, 
that would be laying the foundation, basically, builder, you know, preparing for a new cycle or new journey. And then I always get if it's nurturer or healer that comes next. So I'm just going to say nurturer. Um, Nurturer is basically that friend or that goddess, the mother that makes you that that warm soup on a cold day, you know, that, that makes you feel better. Okay. Uh, healer is the one that heals, you know, that balm. And then trickster is the one that pushes you out of your comfort zone and teaches you the lessons that you need to learn. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's while you may not have been ready for that lesson, but you're getting it anyway. And I hope you learn something valuable because if not, you're going to repeat it. Gotcha. Death is the goddess that walks with you after life is over and replays your life with you and doesn't let you hide from anything that you don't want to remember or learn. Uh, No, you're going to learn it all. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to talk about it. And then we're going to come to terms with everything. And um, there's a certain quiet but stern knowledge and almost this forbidden presence that comes with her, And she's often misunderstood as something as taboo, but I have a very deep connection with death and trickster. And then after death, you go to destroyer, and destroyer wipes the slate clean so you must start again at builder, starting over. It's the end of a cycle so you can begin again. A letting go of everything that no longer serves you or what's in the way that's preventing you from moving forward and progressing. Destroyer wipes that clean, and it's like you reach a cathartic state, and then you move forward again to a new cycle. Gotcha. That, that's super interesting, mm. actually, when you think about it. Do you uh, do you feel like you go through si- many cycles as you're living? Every day. Okay. Yeah, I actually do. And um, I'll, I'll notice, like, something I do during the day. I'm like, oh, that was very trickster of me or very nurturer of me. <laughs> but, yeah, I can, I can see them in my day, um, in the small moments, as well as in the big cycle of my life. Where am I at right now on this cycle? Okay. Like, where am I at? And sometimes it's hard to tell because sometimes death and destroy can look a lot alike on their cycles because both of them are endings. Gotcha. But um, one of them is more of a process, I guess. Uh, one to, of them is more of to a. Get to the other. Yes, we're gonna um, face everything and remember and learn, and uh, and then you go into destroyer where now that you've learned it all, that you've processed it all let it go it's no longer a part of you it's gone it's done that has some deep psychological stuff to it there i think mm-hmm. that's that's hard for people yeah it's, it's hard for me and it's I not easy i don't do that many bad things or things that i might regret <laughs> or would not want to face right right <clears throat> so another question that i asked you about though was like how, how do you know when you're going to buy a stone or a, a a gem that you're not getting something fake something um, that can actually be very difficult to to know especially today i think with online mm-hmm. purchasing right like you look at a few things online you're thinking hey i want to buy this is there anything i should look for specifically should i not buy these things online it's a lot harder because someone can put in a description that it's completely real and natural and everything like that yeah. um and that it's organic and they could just be lying through their teeth and that you know, I have no way of knowing how to tell the difference between a real stone and a fake stone for most of them, actually. I only know the difference on how to tell 
a fake or a real between Moldavite, one's either more smooth and, and more perfect and one's bubbly and has, you know, these imperfections like my ring I showed you. Yeah. But they're even getting really good on imitating that now. So it's very difficult. I would actually recommend going to a metaphysical shop instead of shopping online. Okay. Because most of the time those metaphysical shops use a wholesale supplier um, who has been, you know, vetted, I guess is the word. And they know that they're getting something good from them. Now, of course, that's not going to 100% guarantee you're always getting something good because maybe that wholesaler bought something from someone that scammed them. So it's really hard to tell. Gotcha. How about shapes? Uh, does, does does a shape matter? Does a size matter? Um. <laughs> uh, Only you. <laughs> Come on. Oh my God! Why did you have to ask that like that? The size of a stone. How I don't am know. I supposed to resist that? Okay. I don't know. Resisting, resisting. Okay, back on back on track. I almost said back on shape. <laughs> Um, the different shapes of, of crystals and stones do mean something generally. And I've never honestly myself paid much attention to it. If I, if a stone calls to me, if I like it, I don't care what shape it is. I don't care what size it is. I was meant to have that one and I'll figure out what to do with it. But there are others out there that believe that the shape matters a lot. There's, um, and I don't know the proper names for all the shapes either, because again, it never mattered to me. But a couple of the other girls that I do the podcast with, they are more experts on crystals than I am. Uh, they could tell you a lot more about the uh, shapes and sizes. And that actually sounds like it might be a good episode to touch on in future. Maybe. How about things that you put them in or on or hold them? Is there an element that might take away from the power of a crystal? Mm, some crystals paired together might actually not work well Mm -hmm. they can counter each other or react negatively with each other okay um for example if you have a crystal or stone that is meant to be a very high energy working stone and it needs that to do its work and you pair it with a grounding stone okay you're going to just um nullify its its power and its ability to do what it needs to do but sometimes you need to do that because if something is way too um, high frequency, you need to tone it down a little bit. It really depends on what what you're working on. Gotcha. You wouldn't think of frequency in that manner, but I guess it, it I guess it does matter. Now I mm-hmm. did I asked about magnets like uh, but I guess it's not really something um, in this sort of belief I'm, system. Huh? I don't to be I would want to say no but I've that I've never encountered that but that doesn't mean it's it's natural form not necessarily it's play form yeah Um, I've never heard of magnets being used okay I I don't know but I do want to research that struck struck me as I was uh looking at magnets (laughs) today I was like huh you know you know there are some people that are kind of sensitive to magic or not magic uh, magnets Mm. um Uh, Like when they hold uh, a little bit of a powerful magnet, they get a little weirded out by it. I get that around lead. Lead weirds you out? No, it's like, um, I don't, it's it's weird. I noticed this when I was like in fifth or sixth grade Mm -hmm. and I had my like lead pencil. And if I put it right between my eyes on my nose, (laughs) around the bridge of my nose between my eyes, 
my whole You're head so would feel like this weird tingly buzz and I hated it. It was so annoying. But you would do it, huh? Yeah, I would do it. So when's the last time <laughs> you took lead pencil to, to the middle of your forehead? Early 20s. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to see if it still worked. <laughs> I see. Did it? Yeah. Right. It's just, it's so weird and it's just funny how certain people had these little quirks. It's, I don't know. And there's some people that have no affinity for stones or crystals. Like, they can hold one and not feel a thing, whereas another person could come along and they don't even have to touch it and they can feel it. Yeah, I guess that's kind of where I was kind of going is how do you, uh, like, I don't know if I would know if I was being called do you, to a stone. Do you just say, yeah, you'll know? That's it. Yeah, you'll you, know. You just know? There's different ways of doing it, but generally it just... Do you smell, just... some, do you smell <laughs> you something smell... in the air? Like, you know, sometimes... <laughs> I thought you were sometimes... going to say, do you smell the crystals? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you sniff them? <laughs> I mean, if you want to, and me being weird, I might. Yeah, I'm going to do that to see if I can get weird looks next time. Anyway, generally it's you hover your hand over, and sometimes you'll feel like a sensation in the palm of your hand, when okay. you're, and then it can help you pinpoint which one right. is calling to you. Um, a lot of people say, well, it's the first one that your, your eyes land on and you, you come, you look away and you just keep coming back to that one specifically. But to me, that's too, my eyes could land anywhere and it might not just be a sign. It just, gotcha. I open my eyes and boom. Um, but I personally like to run my hands over things cause I have the sensitivity to where if I'm over certain things, it, it's like I can feel the energy is hot or cold and like little pinpricks okay. in the palm of my hand. So I just go based off that myself. What about communicating with people in the afterlife? Mm, I have only ever dreamed of people that were going to die. Okay. I never try to communicate with anyone outside of a Ouija board with my friends. Okay. But I know I have a, a friend or two, ooh, three, who find it very easy to communicate with people in the afterlife. Very, very easy. And I I had an experience when I was younger, and it terrified me, so I shut down a lot. Okay. And within the past couple of years is when I finally started opening back up. So I don't think I'm there yet, it, if I even want to be there. But I'm just like, ah, eh, they're gone. I'm going to let them move on to the next life or have their bliss or do whatever they're doing, and I'm not going to get in the way of their journey after this life. And so... It- is that an ability that someone's born with, or is there other things you can use, uh, such as stones, for example, to assist you with uh, communicating with people in, in the afterlife? Ah, ooh, that's difficult. Because honestly, since I'm not a stone expert, there could be stones <clears throat> that could help you out with that. Right. Like most mediums you might see on TV, or, uh, oh or Call Me Now, Psychics. Which, just Isn't, leave those be. Okay. <laughs> but like mediums sometimes that you'll see, um, like, well, on TV's Long Island Medium where she, you know, mm-hmm. y- you don't know how real, is that real, is it not real? And if- it's often not as, um, okay, so you, you know how they, they portray it in Hollywood where you go in and you see a gypsy in a room and yeah. it's the, the crystal ball and all this stuff like that. A, a real medium most of the time doesn't need any of that. Right. They'll just walk straight up to you and talk to you. They okay. don't need anything special. 
So you oh, don't need crystals or stones. They just walk up to you ability. and they talk to you and they tell you or they're like, oh, someone's right there or I just heard this or they just told me this or were you thinking this? Because someone said that you were, you know, having problems with this type thing. It's just, it's not often over overdone on the theatrics, I guess. And my personal belief is all the tools in the world, the athames, which is the knives, the blades, the double-edged blade, stones, crystals, wands, everything, are just focusing tools. Okay. They're not necessarily needed, not necessary. They're just nice things to have to help focus your mind because... Magic is all about the intent, the visualization in your mind. And some people find it very easy to visualize and don't need anything to help them with that. And a lot of people need that to help them focus. Like there are some that use a, a wand or an athame or a crystal to draw a circle of protection around them. Whereas you can just use your finger or you don't even have to use anything. Just imagine it in your head. Gotcha. It's all the same thing. It's just what you need to accomplish what you want to do and you don't need necessarily if you can do it in your mind you don't need the extra tools but they are nice to have yeah i i can see what you mean by focus because i you know i wouldn't mind having an amulet somewhere but it would be <laughs> focus based yeah. right you know i was really interested too i saw that there was like a gambler's stone and, I, and you know i like to play with horses, <laughs> the horses every now and then so i thought that's interesting there's a, like a luck stone i guess mm-hmm. essentially uh that they have there um <clears throat> i had to okay. get you one for your birthday now yeah well you know <laughs> christmas is around the corner oh yeah that's true and uh you have to show me what the stone is i why can't you go look up Gambler's Stone? I gotta look it up for you and send yes. it to you. I'm gonna send you the link. Well, how do I know if it's real or not? Investigative work. <laughs> <laughs> We're just gonna have to take a gamble here. Right. Well, this has been uh, pretty informative. I always, I, again, I have all, always have all kinds of questions. I think sometimes that just kind of hit me in the middle of the day. Like after I was, we were talking about um, when I asked you, hey, are there you know aggressive type things there's all this protection but then i thought about it a minute i'm like well if you feel like you're protected you're kind of empowered right it's right. kind of going to give you a little bit more courage mm-hmm. to do or to step out uh so it is kind of a twofold thing if you feel protected then like you said yes you are going to feel more bold to confident mm-hmm, and confident courage, to yeah. to participate in your own craft yeah so there are I believe entities or energies out there that could feed off of like your negative thoughts or anything of that nature or could latch on to you. That worries me because I have a lot of negative thought. Well, and I'm a skeptic, right? I, mm-hmm. I like to, I, I need proof sometimes. I can't just take that leap of belief. And I understand yeah. because I'm the same way, which is very difficult for me to be a big skeptic, but also very open-minded and spiritual it's very hard to find that balance because I don't believe that everything is a sign. Gotcha. I don't believe that everything requires a magical resolution. You know, I'm like, okay, let's be practical and magical at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just because the salt fell over to the left a little bit facing north doesn't mean, I'm just making something up, doesn't necessarily mean something, you know, but there are people out there that, that do believe in very specific things like that happening and occurring as signs. And uh, being skeptical myself, I I don't know. I'm like, I'll just chalk that one up to the salt fell. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. What else? Like, what's something that you've always thought, even like um, as a child, like what were you told about paganism or witches or Wiccans? You know, I've always been very interested in like mythology, which kind of goes down the, the pagan uh, way a little bit. Um, you know, and I don't know that this would ever happen today, but when I was growing up and I started to be play Dungeons and Dragons, there was this huge thing about how it was evil. Um, really? Yeah, like parents didn't want their kids playing because it's devil magic. Because as you go through some of the spells in, in the books, they do describe sometimes that you're drawing a pentagram in the sedan. You know, they're kind of yeah. describing a little bit of how the the spell is deceit uh, conceived and and it talks about components a lot you know that there's physical components you of know course, yeah to, to certain spells and, and i think that scared some people oh witchcraft magic and i don't know that that would happen today i think people are open to stuff like that than they were back then actually i think it kind of comes in ebbs and flows of that happening um every couple of generations or every generation or so because the same thing happened when all the harry potter books came out before the movies You're, that's right i remember being in middle school and this one girl saying that she had never read them and she wasn't allowed to because her mom said that they were devil or anything like that and they were evil i remember that because i was like you must have a really strict mom. That's weird. <laughs> and so I think this whole rise of the expansion of the spirituality and um, thought is often met with a rise of the oppression of it, of people trying to knock it back down so that whatever's in control now, the way the world works, stays on top with us kind of being like these mindless people that just don't think for ourselves and we just keep being cogs in how the world works. Right. We don't try to empower ourselves. We don't try to better our world. We just accept it as is type thing. I think that's what it it does whenever it rises up to oppress the metaphysical. Yeah, I mean, when you look at things like Stonehenge, and Stonehenge just seems to be the more popular, I guess, hinge. There's a lot of hinges, but yeah. just all this things that went into making it and you don't know what ceremonies happened and all you that's don't. super fascinating and the fact that the stones aren't even native to anywhere near there and they're giant slabs it's uh, it's fascinating so yeah i've always had that balance i guess of uh luckily growing up in a house that allowed you to explore that type of information without uh judgment i guess Same that, here. that was negative you know um, and probably encouraging me to learn that stuff. And so so naturally, I've, I've, I'm familiar with all of the principles without really realizing I'm familiar with the principles. You know? <laughs> so through games, whether they be paper or pen games like Dungeons and Dragons or video games like Baldur's Gate or something. Right. I, I, or just, you know, studying Stonehenge or uh, understanding what a druid was, uh, you know, way back then, uh, you inevitably it leads me to have some knowledge at least. Of, of course, of it's stuff. It's almost as if you can see the metaphysical world trying its best to keep itself alive, and uh, by going through games and and stuff of that nature, it's trying to keep itself known. Yeah. Well, it's hard not to know it, right? Right. It's, uh, there's so much that draws from it. Um, are you one of those that believes that there's like, uh, like kind of the way the magic's based in a lot of role-playing games is like there's this um, <clears throat> layer of 
energy that surrounds the earth that, that you can draw from. Ooh, that's awesome. And I that do believe somewhere, that you can draw from the earth, not that, necessarily a layer around it, but the gotcha. earth itself. And that somewhere along the lines, we lost the ability to uh, understand how to tap into that power. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely do believe we lost a lot of information and understanding throughout the ages. There's a lot of human history that's just forgotten. Um, I was watching a show once and they, they said this term and it just... It's true. We are um, a race of amnesia. We have forgotten so much of our own history that there's there's tons out there that we... Well, we tend to repeat the same... Mm-hmm. We tend to go through the same cycles. Yeah, that's true. But it's just, it makes you wonder, what did we forget? I want to know. Yeah. I really want to know because if what we forgot could help make our world um, better, you know, I definitely would want to know what that is. But um, no, for me, I feel like I can draw energy from anything around me, from the air, the trees, the earth, anything. Like it, everything is energy. Okay. It doesn't come from one specific spot. Like literally everything is energy and just borrow from it. And you don't have to be worried about taking energy for something because you're giving energy right back whenever you use it for anything. The universe doesn't care if you're using it for something good or negative because the universe is a very chaotic place. It can use both of those types of energy when it's given back for anything. If you think about um, what happens in space, like the explosions, the big bangs and all that stuff like that, that could be useful from something that somebody did with negative energy. Right. So the universe does not care what you use the energy for. It's going to get it back one way or the other. It doesn't mind lending it to you. It's all there. It's endless. You can't destroy or create it. It's going to be there no matter what you do. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I think that's about all the questions I guess I have for for this point. Anyway. <laughs> Covered a lot of stuff here. Yeah, that we did. Um, okay, so... After all this rambling, and mm-hmm. do, you, do you consider me crazier now? No. Okay, that's disappointing. Uh, well, you were always crazy to me. All right, now I'm happy. We can end this on a great <laughs> note. <laughs> I mean, you know, thank you, Mystical Moon Society. There you go. All and, right. Uh, I'll join the big round table if y'all want. I don't know what I bring, but uh, if, if, uh, if I get invited, I'll, I'll, I'll make uh, an effort to show up. We usually do a group one once every four weeks and then individual ones in cycles. So the next one, actually, this is going to be our last episode for the holiday season. Sorry, guys. Surprise. We're going to go on a holiday break. So this is our last episode for the season. But we'll be back hopefully sometime in January. We haven't set a specific date yet. January. Nice. Yeah. So we'll definitely keep you guys updated and uh, let you know when that's going to happen. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, and everything. I'll have all the social links below if you're on YouTube. If not, look for us at Mystical Moon Society on Facebook and Instagram and Mystic Moon Girls on Twitter. Thanks for joining us down this meandering rabbit hole today. I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday season and we'll let you know when we're going to be back for our next season of Mystical Moon Society podcast. Mm-hmm.